Welcome to the fourth episode of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. This week I have a very special time because I have not one but two guests working from Star Bastard Loggerhead, the one shot that's coming out on December 16th, so let your shops know. First up is the creator, because we're going in alpha order, of Star Bastard. I'm going by his name, not by the title. Andrew Clemson. How you doing, Andrew? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you, Wayne? You all right? Good. It's good to talk with you. And Brian Silverbacks, the creator of Loggerhead. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing all right. Just happy to be here, man. Well, it's good to talk with both of you. Uh, first things, let, let's get, before we talk about the combination, let's, I'll, Brian, I'll start with you because I, I asked Andrew first. Why don't you explain to people about Loggerhead? Um, Loggerhead is a mutated turtle that lives in the swamp and just wants to be kept to himself. And in, in in his world, he's kind of like the the Bigfoot character. People have heard stories and aren't quite for sure if he really exists. Mm. But his main objective is to protect the swamp and just be a good creature. Okay. Okay, very good. And let's see, let's get to Star Bastard, Andrew. Why don't you tell us about Star Bastard? Um, so, so it's kind of the, the other side of the coin, whereas Loggerhead's like a nice dude, you know, nice guy, you know, taken, taken the wrong way sometimes. And, um, Greaves and Starbusted, he's kind of the, he's a parody of all of the, the bigger sort of space douchebags that you'll see in popular culture. So he's, uh, he's just a bit of a moron that stumbles his way through the galaxy and, and gets into scrapes, you know, in the tradition of, uh, Captain Kirk or, uh, Peter Quill, things like that. He's brawn, not brains. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> Let me really quickly read the description from the previews. About it. it says, Worlds collide in this one shot that has everyone's favorite space degenerate crossing paths with the bloody beast of the bayou. Finding themselves on an alien world and forced to fight to the death, Captain Greaves and Loggerhead are forced to work together to gain their freedom. Just as much blood and swearing as you'd expect from a Star Bastard and Loggerhead crossover. It's, so that's kind of fun stuff. So, um, Andrew, my understanding is is that you worked with uh, Brian to get the script going. Once you got some of the details together, then you kind of took off on the script. Yeah. So it's um, uh, this really was um, it was Brian's idea. Um, he uh, sort of suggested that he wanted to expand because he's got a whole universe of these characters, and he wants to sort of expand them past the uh, the one shot he had uh, at the time. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a great opportunity to just sort of play with someone else's, uh, someone else's toys, so to speak. So I, um, I, I sort of put together a very rough idea and ran it past Brian, you know, it's back and forth a lot. Um, and, uh, once, once I got it down, um, the, the interesting thing was really sort of dialogue, you know, making sure you've got the dialogue of the other person's character, um, because really, that's the you know that's the the creator's voice in a way, isn't it? So you, you've got to make sure you're getting it right from the other person's perspective. Did you run it past Brian and to see how it was? Yeah, so I would say, here you go. This is what I think you should say, and then Brian would uh, would you know say, oh no, you should do it like this because I'm, you know, this is the first time I've ever worked with, I mean, a crossover thing, but anyone else's sort of IP. So I I would tend to write it from my own voice and uh you know maybe that gets kept in you know my universe too much and you know you need to balance it out and and uh brian rightly sort of corrected the the speech patterns and you know mannerisms of, of loghead uh to make sure as much in keeping with what what the story there had already been 
So, Brian, how was it collaborating with him? I mean, how, uh, did uh, uh, did he grasp the character pretty quickly? Did, did you know how did that have to? No, Andrew no. is a hack. <laughs> I don't know if that has come through with <laughs> no. And I, I don't dispute I, that. <laughs> I approached Andrew because I really enjoyed the Star Bastard series that he was working on. It wasn't quite complete at the time. And I, I just thought how neat it would be to have two, you know, independent IPs. And he seemed keen on the idea. He wrote the script. And then he said, uh, Loggerhead's got to do some talking. And in my first one shot, Loggerhead didn't do any talking. Mm. So I don't know that I fully knew what he was supposed to sound like anyway. So when Andrew posed these questions to me, I was like, well, holy cow, what does he sound like? So in my head, he sounded like the guys when I watched the show Swamp People. So I had to do a little bit more research and figure out like a couple of keywords and a couple of things that are partial to Louisiana culture so that we can incorporate that into uh, Andrew writing Loggerhead's speech for the first time. Mm. So this was a debut. That's the first time we get to hear him talk. Yes. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. That's, that's the first. Now, one of the things I noticed, too, and I found interesting, was that when he talks, instead of having a regular word balloon, he's got a green word balloon with white letters on it. Was that to uh, give us some idea that he sounds different, say, than, than the Star Bastard? I certainly hope so. That's all from Rob Jones. Like, we didn't, as far as I know, we didn't offer any direction, but he saw the character and took it upon himself to... Uh, give him a different type bubble so that it would stand out. And maybe when the reader looks at it, it'll sound, they'll read it with a little bit more gravel in their voice or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something like we tried to do that in the original, like in the Starbuster books, we had, you know, not so much an entirely new font or anything, but it just, um, it helps to sell, you know, there's a different sound or a different accent or something like that. And um, it helps to separate, you know, these are different, people from different worlds, you know, literally in the case of the, in case of the comics. So yeah, Rob did a fantastic job. When I first saw it, I, I, I was, what is the word gobsmacked? Like when I saw the <laughs> yeah. text and written in that way, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so like, I got really excited. Very cool. Very cool. It's great that it happens that way. Now, one of the things I noticed when these two interact, um, <laughs> loggerhead tends to be the straight man of this seemed like to me. I mean, was that, was that what you think, Brian? Is that the way that he's in this conversation? He was. Yeah. He, I don't think he knows better. So he doesn't really understand. He, he didn't grow up with sarcasm and he's just like very matter of fact, because that's all he knows. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. He's funny. It's more so. I think, you know, um, he's, he's the good guy in the situation. You know, he looks like a giant monster, but he's just a, a good guy. You know, he, he doesn't have that that wicked streak in him. So it sort of works. You know, you get to have this other guy who can be the, you know, the one throwing out the jokes and uh, and then Loggerhead being the, the straight man, as you say, the nice guy on the other end of it. 
Because Greaves, on the other hand, <laughs> is not. <laughs> no, he's not a nice guy. <laughs> no. Well, the whole book starts out, and I don't want to spoil too much of it, but let's just say he gets called on the carpet for um, going beyond the limits of a certain uh, uh, job that he had taken on, which made me laugh. Uh, it, it's just a funny bit. I mean, that, that seems to be standard uh, Greaves kind of thing, that if he sees something, he kind of dives in and goes after it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, he's a kind of. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they ever got to the states, but they, we had these things in the UK. These these films called the they were called Carry On films, um, and they were you know in the sort of seventy, uh, you know, late sixties, early seventies, and it was very sort of tongue in cheek, campy. Um, you know, everyone sleeping with this person, sleeping with this person. It's all. It's it's a kind of very sort of British uh, type of humor there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's just that's just what he does. He sleeps his way around the galaxy and drinks too much and gets into a fight. It's it's a very throwback style of uh, of comic. I, one of the things I really enjoyed is when the two of them meet for the very first time. Uh, his reaction to Loggerhead is quite funny. I I, I don't want to spoil it. Let's just say, I just want to say that he had a, a very funny reaction, which we never see and we should see more of. So I, I had to laugh when I saw it. And uh, I thought the art was really well done, too. You can see <laughs> why he reacts that way is very clearly yeah. portrayed in the art. I like that. Yeah, Brian did a, um, a great job uh, with all the expressions and the, you know, the, the well, interaction between the two. Let, let's not forget to shout out uh, the guy that did my layouts. Brian Dawson was was the guy that gave me the stuff to build on. Oh, yeah, that's who I meant. I didn't mean you. Oh, I'm not giving you any credit. <laughs> no, of course I did. I meant both of the Brian's. Okay. Now, what's interesting, too, is I, I, I – gosh, there's so much I want to spoil, but I don't there. Um, there's there's a – Loggerhead's reaction is also funny, which I found great. You know, talking about the straight man, he says something, and it's a straight line. But the, by itself, it's a hilarious line. And then when uh, Greaves responds, it's a very funny response to it so that's kind of how this back and forth is going to go during the the, the comic it's it's a very lighthearted, funny thing going on i mean there's obviously there's danger involved they get involved in other in in what's really going on which is a, you know honestly a, a a sci-fi staple which is great fun yeah to i see mean that, that they have that it's interesting you touched on that that was kind of brian's first um um, when he first did the cover, that was kind of the first thing that happened. Really, was was Brian's cover to the the project, and he'd sort of put, you know, Oddfellas, and it kind of it summed up the whole uh, theme of the book that they're this odd couple that's been thrown together. You know, they don't, you know, that Loggerhead probably wouldn't put up with him if he didn't have to. So it's um, it's very much two people thrown together and and sort of uh, just getting on each other's nerves a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, when they get into the place where they, let's say they have to work together, the name of the place made me laugh. <laughs> There's this—I I don't know if I can spoil that. It's such a funny name for that. I—I I don't think. Well, it might give away stuff. I hate to do it, but let's just say the names of things are also very creative in this book. <laughs> shall we say? Was that? Is that you, you came up with that, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, it's just. Um... I just I liked that name. I think I probably would have you know got it into a book at some point anyway. But um, I, I you know you've got those sort of cliches, as, you know, which is always present in the Starbuster books. But um, I just love you know wordplay when it comes to humor, and it's great to squeeze some of those in. 
Mm-hmm. Now, does as far as the timeline, let's let's talk about the the books. Now, how how many loggerheads have there been so far, Brian? There's there was the one Bloody Bayou one shot, this one, and then I'm working on a possible follow up to Bloody Bayou called Cold Blood. Okay, so this is the the timeline is following. You read that one first, and then you read this one, or can you read these out of order? However you like. Not nothing. With involving Loggerhead has to be in read in any sequence. Okay. How about Star Bastard, Andrew? I mean, d- does this fall within a certain timeline within the Star Bastard universe? Um, I mean, you know, you can, uh, you, you could, I guess you sort of, uh, there's a, there's a, a wrap up at the end of volume one, you know, we've, we've got a volume two planned. We haven't got a, a date for it yet, but there is something that happens at the end of volume one on the trade. So I guess it's sort of, it would be before issue one of the main series, but you know, it's, it's, it's very much a sort of um, Starbust. I mean, is a very nonsensical book. It's not, you know, it's not something you have to take too seriously. So you could insert this at any point. Um, it's like the Fox movies, X-Men. Like <laughs> those timelines are all wonky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It's just, it's a fun story. You could read at any time. Yeah. And I think you get a good idea of the characters. You know, you don't have to have read either book um, to understand who they are. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of fun. I, I, the, one of the things I enjoyed about the book, and I, I, I don't see this very much in comics, is the fun aspect of it. I mean, even the straight man, when he delivers his lines, sometimes it's hilarious just because he's he's being a straight man. It, it, it's. I just thought that the dialogue was fun. I think the way that they interact is is a lot of funny stuff going on. And uh, the things that they say to each other is great. The things that they expect are also very fun, very <laughs> unexpected in some ways. You know, I mean, there's, there's one part at, at which uh, they're wondering as to what's going to happen. And uh, Greaves comes out and says, do they have chain swords? Which yeah. made me laugh out loud. That's my, that that's my history in Warhammer. That was very misspent days playing Warhammer as a teenager. Yeah, I don't think that'll spoil too much just to do that, but I thought that was, but you know, you bring up something that I have to talk a little bit about is uh, Greaves' familiarity with pop culture. Yeah. And let's, you know, the the Loggerhead being a former turtle, he sees Loggerhead as a different turtle, shall we say. Yeah. And the, the comments that he makes it's. I, I don't want to spoil it, but I got to say the one I like the best is he asks if he wants to eat pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Made me laugh right out loud well, when was, I read that. There was another line in there and I had to double check with Brian that he didn't mind me um, saying it because it's, you know, he's got a sort of derogatory uh, name, pet name for uh, for Loggerhead in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and again, it's the same, you know, back to the same uh, franchise that the pizza thing falls back to. So, um, I think again, it's just it's speaking from my stuff specifically, like it's not to be taken seriously. So, you know, you can just accept, you know, suspension of disbelief. He knows about pop culture for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's a, a Peter Quill thing and he's got a tape of something or something like that, but it's, it's a running thread. He just has, you know, pop culture references. It's a bit Deadpool-y. On the other hand, 
Vloggerhead has trouble with Greaves's name, which I found <laughs> very funny. I mean, he just, you know, the, the great thing is, is he's trying to, to get the name right. And Greaves is not a difficult name, but for him, it's something that he just doesn't seem to latch on to. And of course, all of us are running to people whose names we don't quite get. But he goes time and time again, poor Greaves just happened to say, that's not my name. <laughs> and the way he does it was funny, too. I just thought that was a hilarious, good use of, of loggerhead. I, I, I put that initially, it was just a you know, m- misapprehension, like he misheard the name. But then I like to think afterwards, he was winding him up a little bit. Like, you know, you think I'm stupid, you think I'm getting your name wrong, but I'm doing this on purpose a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny stuff. I, I, I'd love to spoil it, but I don't dare. I, I, I want people to read it because it's a very funny thing. Even the straight man gets the funny lines, which I think is a, a great bit of humor for that. So the, the, the other thing, too, I wanted to talk about the aliens, the different kinds of people that they run into. Mm-hmm. You know, the, at first they run into blue aliens and they run into what looks like kind of a Star Trek alien. There's a girl in a red dress with antennae and she's not blue. She's got blue hair, but she's green. And so I got a, I had to wonder, I thought, Hmm, I wonder if that's a little Star Trek nod in there. That's a question for Brian. (laughs) I don't believe so. I, I, I just tried to pick colors that I hadn't used when I got the artwork finished, you know? So, so Brian Dawson came up with the original designs for the aliens that are all featured. And then I kind of jazzed them up. And then I was just like, while I was also coloring the book, I just kind of made color choices to kind of make sure that they don't get washed into the background. Mm-hmm. So it was more of just picking colors to visually be seen as opposed to putting a lot of thought into, ooh, this would be like a homage to that episode of Star Trek or that episode of Star Like it was just, it just coincidental. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the big-eyed aliens, or the wide-eyed. Maybe that'd be a better way to say it, aliens. Towards the end, he runs into these wide-eyed aliens, and I get a huge kick. They never seem to blink. Their eyes are just always wide open, <laughs> which I got a kick out of, too. I thought that was great fun, too. The aliens are half the fun in this book. I really think that they are hilarious, including the big bad, uh, shall we say. And I, I, Not necessarily the guy behind it all, but the one that they have to take on. I like the look of him too. He's quite smart, you know, in the way that that's done. He's got horns and all kinds of amazing stuff going on. It was really fun for me to illustrate. I I had, I enjoyed trying to make it look scaly. And then the, the, the one payoff scene where the, the one page payoff scene was really, really fun because it fits more into my, uh, uh, wheelhouse of having fun. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. I really liked it. So, uh, yeah, I, I wanted. I'd, I'd um, written that originally. I, I think uh, Brian will probably remember. I, I'd, I'd written it in a way where you only ever see a foot. It was kind of like um, it was. I remembered it from that old TV show Dinosaurs that was on in the in the nineties. It was like a Henson Disney thing, um, and there was an episode in that where the, the dad has to face off against this giant dinosaur, and all you ever saw was a foot. And I always thought that was funny. That this just this foot could be intimidating, but I like I prefer the way it's gone now. You know, Brian designed this whole whole character that's there. It's a lot more intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I like that. Now, one of the things I noticed about uh, Greaves's character, well, I I, I got a, a big kick out of the description of his abilities, the fact that 
uh, they, they, somebody says, well, you're invulnerable. And he says, or she says, you can't be killed or something to that effect. And his response was kind of fun to that. You know, he's, he's tough to kill, but he could feel pain. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that makes him an interesting character. Because, you know, as somebody who, who can't really be destroyed but can feel the bad things happening, that kind of adds a human aspect to his character. I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was kind of a thing um, in the in the – in the series, I sort of put it in there and then I realized I'd never explained it. He was just, I'd gone, Oh yeah, he's definitely invulnerable. And then it was something we sort of had to explain later on. And it's, it's more a mechanic to explain why he is so irresponsible. Like he's, he, he has no consequences for his actions. Cause if someone, if he annoys someone and they attack him, they blow him up, they shoot him, nothing's going to happen. So it's sort of, it just emboldens him and bolsters this, this, uh, this mentality has got to just be as arrogant and, uh, you know, as reckless as, as he wants. Um, and it just gives you this, this opportunity to, um, you know, like what happens in this book, Loggerhead sort of realizes like, Oh, okay. So this isn't going to do you any damage. So yeah, let's, let's try this then. And, uh, it just opens up a lot of avenues, but I like to think of it, like you say, he, he's not going to get, uh, you can't necessarily kill him, but it, every, everything you do to him basically just creates the same sort of effect as like a horrendous hangover. He's still going to have a, a headache at the end of it. It's just going to annoy him more and more. Hmm. I, I wish Wolverine was more like that, to be honest with you. I always felt like like Wolverine and invulnerable characters always bother me a little bit because they can – you know, bullets bounce off them and things like that happens. But I like the fact that this guy actually feels something when that, when, when something is done to him, that's a, that's quite a change. I I'd like to see more of that, to be honest. I think that's one of the, one of the great things about this book is revealing that. I think that was a wonderful bit. Yeah. I mean, we originally, again, in the series, we were going to, um, uh, we were going to have a whole thing where he gets his power, you know, his, his, abilities taken away and then he's just this you know this weakling guy that's that's got to try and uh, to not be how he is because he's you know he hasn't got the abilities to deal with it anymore but you know we tried to compress that into one volume rather than stretching it out into into two so that we could get more stuff done but you know maybe we can approach that again later that would be great and that'd be fun to do now as far as loggerhead goes we get to understand him a lot more of course he's talking now as you as you mentioned but it, it, as far as this book i mean what did you feel like was uh, that was revealed about loggerhead that people should know brian um i'm gonna say <clears throat> if i what does what's revealed that people made i guess the fact that he can talk i mean up until now Maybe the readers weren't even sure if he had the ability to talk or to understand fully what was going on. And now they can see that he is a uh, intelligent, I use air quotes, like an intelligent uh, being. So maybe they'll walk away with a little bit more uh, about the character itself and, and understand that uh, maybe the question will be, how did he get how did he appear in this story? Like what events led up to him? before this story. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this might, uh, you can always write stories before this happened, maybe to explain how he gets to talk and stuff like yeah, that. Because part of, part of the world that loggerhead is from, there are various wormholes and stuff in the atmosphere that just kind of spark up and it could lead to interstellar travel, inner timeline travel. And maybe something like that is what caused these two to meet. 
Mm -hmm. Brian's uh, Cara Prime thing he's working on is a very good vehicle. Like he says, you've got all these little wormholes and there's a bunch of different genres he's got there. So it's it's kind of a perfect vehicle for other people to be able to lend their characters to because there's there's a very easy – I was trying to, you know, how are we going to get these two characters together? And he went, oh, we've got wormholes. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. That's a very easy way for them to just to just meet. So I think it's there's, there's a lot of opportunity there, you know, not just Loggerhead but the other characters. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, to be built on and to help build other people's stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's going to be great fun. I, I, I can't let you guys go without talking about a wonderful bit towards the end. And it starts with Loggerhead, and we get a knowing look from Greaves to us. Uh, something becomes apparent, it becomes uh, uh, available, and Loggerhead goes, that sounds convenient. <laughs> And there's this wonder, and and Greaves looks at us and says, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And that knowing bit was a wonderful way to come towards the end to kind of acknowledge to us that that this is kind of a fun little bit. The things that are happening are are for fun. And I really enjoyed that. I just wanted to say I I found that little bit of writing to be really, really wonderful. Yeah, thanks. I I just think it's important. Like I say, it's not... Um, we're not writing Dark Knight, you know, it's, it's, you know, you shouldn't analyze it too much. It's a fun book. It's just something you can get in, you can pick up, you can, you can have some laughs and there's, there's little bits of the characters in there, but you know, that, that's the thing. That's the one shot. You've got to, it's something you would expand out, but with a one shot, you've got to compress it all down into, you know, 20, 22 pages. So I think that that little nod is just like, yeah, we know we're wrapping this up quick, but you know, Mm -hmm. just being able to work with Andrew and, his established, like, he's such a terrific writer in all that he's doing. And for him to even take the time out of his day to mess with my characters and try to put this together and then to do such a wonderful job, I'm, I'm just, I'm just beside myself with, with how flattered I am that he would, he would do that. His stuff is amazing. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brian. Well, it's a great book. It's I've had a chance to read it too, obviously, because I, I, I was in preparation for this. It's called Star Bastard Loggerhead One Shot. Now, Brian, you did some of the covers for this. Yes, sir. I, I as far as I know, I think I did all. I did four different covers and let Scout pick which ones that they thought <laughs> um, might work well. But I did the first cover, which was the odd couple kind of mm-hmm. inspired design, and then I did like a. Uh, I thought that maybe people would think that the book was more of like a fight book, like in the old uh, Marvel stuff. They'd always say somebody versus somebody, but by the end of the episode or the end of the issue, they were buddies. So I made like an old wrestling tape, like for like WrestleMania or something. Mm-hmm. And then I did a Super Mario team up look, and I did a Wolverine and Joe Fix It cover from Wolverine number seven. Oh wow! But that Super Mario one is is inspired. I think it's my favorite variant uh, definitely of anything my stuff's been on but of uh, that i've seen in a long time i really hope that gets uh gets popped in a shop somewhere very cool very cool hope so too uh, again it's star bastard loggerhead one shot it's coming out on wednesday december 16 about a week after this first posts and i think you'll really enjoy it i had a lot of fun reading it there's all kinds of wonderful little bits there's visual gags as well as, as humor and, and interesting little things going on lots of pokes at sci-fi genres and thing and interesting uh 
uh, <laughs> pop culture things that I think you really enjoy because it's really a great book. And any chance that might be a star bastard loggerhead too? I, I can never do one. <laughs> Never say never. Okay, so okay. Now let's let, let's. So if people want to follow you on on social media, let's start with Brian. How do you p- get found on social media? If you want to find me on social media, you type in Brian with a with a Y, Silver B A X, and usually you'll find me. Or you can just go to silverbax.com. And Andrew, how about you? Um, I got a website which is uh, clemsoncomics.com. So my surname comics.com. Okay. I think that'd be and easier that for be... Americans to remember because you've got the university, you know. In in the in the UK, right. I have to spell it out a hundred times. But oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's true. We have Clemson University. You're absolutely right. So that'll make things easier. Uh, let's talk about uh, real quickly. Any projects, Andrew, that you're that's coming that we should be aware of? Um, I got oh god, I've got tons of stuff. Um, stuff that I can. Uh, talk about i just did um so we've got a book called bet noir which brian did a cover for um last year uh, which is kind of a superhero uh, revenge story uh we did issue one on kickstarter uh we're doing issue two and three on kickstarter probably about february march something like that and then we'll be wrapping that up uh, so we can get volume one out before the end of the year um and i just did issue one of uh, my newest ser- series which is called damsel from distress uh, we just put that out on uh, Kickstarter. Did did phenomenally well. Just blew all my other stuff out of the water. That's kind of like a, a, a fantasy mashup of Man from Uncle meets Dungeons and Dragons or Zelda meets James Bond, that kind of thing. Um, and we'll be taking issue two and three, or maybe the whole volume to Kickstarter um, in April. Okay, Brian, how about you? Uh, I'm currently working on the follow-up to Loggerhead called Loggerhead Cold Blood, and I'm doing that with Jonathan Hedricks. Is uh, Jonathan Hedrick is the writer on that one, and he's just recently done the recount, so he wrote this Loggerhead story. And then anything other than that is all just going to be uh, some kick-started, crowd-funded, Prime goodness. Okay, very good. We've got you doing wonderful stuff. Once again, it's Star Bastard Loggerhead One-Shot. It's going to be out on December 16th, so let your store know. And you guys keep up the good stuff. It's wonderful stuff. Thank you very Thank much, you. Wade. Wade.